This podcast is shareable. Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is shareable. Today on Shareable, I'm excited to share this conversation with my guest, Leilani Manulu. Hello, welcome to the show. And for my listeners who are not familiar with you, what are a few of the most important things for someone to know about you? Oh, man. I, let's see. I am a shaman. I'm an intuitive leadership visionary. So in my entire career has been in leadership and business and finance and accounting and contracts. And it was about three years ago that I started to really lean into my intuition and blew up my whole life. And now I help other people do the same. Um, and in like the best way, right? Like helping people come home to themselves, helping organizations be more wholehearted, be more human centered. And I do this all with a very very important lens of diversity, equity, inclusion. So the intersection of leadership, DEI and intuition, that is, that is the way I move through the world. I'm an author. I have a podcast. I I'm starting my YouTube channel. I'm in all the places and yeah, I, I just really want the world to be more heart centered. And that is why I exist. I love it. I promise I'm not going to name this episode, helping people blow up their lives. (laughs) Um, I promise we will not, it would be a very interesting title for it, but uh, I think helping people find their way home might make it to the, to the, that might make it to the headline to themselves. Right. So, uh, story for the listeners of how we came to know each other. Um, so I became introduced to you through future Kane and she had posted a video that you had posted on Instagram that just struck me and resonated with me. And I reached out to future and I was like, yo, this person and we got connected and then for months at this point we've been trying to get this podcast to happen and i'm right. so glad that we are finally here um and i'm so i'm so interested to explore how you help people come home and how you made these big decisions to blow up your life and follow your intuition and how that's worked out for you so there's all these different things that i need to explore with you uh some of my conversations are a little more structured some are more unstructured um, I don't know how today is going to go, but I just, I found that every conversation we've had has led me to have just a, just a, a backlog of questions I've wanted to ask you after you finish saying something. <laughs> so I'm just going to let that drive today. Let me ask you the big question that I start out with, mm-hmm. which is what is the dent you wish to make in the world? What What is the change you're trying to make? What's the impact and the legacy? What's the dent that your existence is here to make? Just a tiny question to start. I like to start small. <laughs> Your favorite ice cream flavor. And My- how are you going to change the <laughs> And who are you at your core? I, where my mind goes is that 
we live in a world that, and, and, and through my shamanic studies, through just existing and listening to my intuition, uh, I understand the concepts like divine feminine, divine masculine, and this is on a spectrum and we all have components of this. Our world has components of the divine feminine, divine masculine, divine feminine, just meaning more intuition, more feeling, more nurturing, more caretaking, more group association, divine masculine, more structured, more, um, rational. And, and we're in a place in our world where the divine masculine has gotten so out of balance that it's become toxic. And my big dent in the world is to be of support to people, to organizations, to groups, who are seeking to find more balance toward the divine masculine so that where their divine masculine, their divine feminine as divine masculine and feminine aspects are more in balance. And we see this a lot with like the violence that we are seeing in our world that that is that it, these are all symptoms of this toxic masculine place that we found ourselves in. And it's not to say that men are evil. That is not you know, we all have components of divine masculine and divine feminine within us. It's just to say that we have prioritized these aspects of the divine masculine that's now toxic. We've prioritized that over all of the other things. And so my hope is to help people connect with their intuition, help people connect with their emotional state, their emotional body, their body, like their body itself, and to help people to get back into balance. And that's like a really like simplistic view, but I do that in different ways, um, for sure, supporting people one-on-one, -on -one, but also supporting organizational leaders to begin to reckon with, okay, where have we lost our way with our divine feminine? What does it look like for us to begin to lean into the more emotional aspects of being leaders and being, um, you know, caretakers in an organization? Like, what does that actually look like and how can we begin to balance the scales? So much of what you say as um, a use of language that I'm interested to hear about your professional experience in the way that you speak about things. You're using terms divine masculine, divine feminine. You used um, you kind of flirted with and bumped up against toxic masculinity, um, and you're talking about doing work um, in you know some of the attributes that you assign here are collectivist versus sort of individualist, aggressive right. versus um, you know, intuitive and, and nurturing and emotional. And I'm very curious in working with organizations, how, how some of that language has been received and whether or not the, there is, um, I'm trying to think how to say this. Do, do you ever alter the language to open the door so that you can get your foot in the door? Or is it that there's a certain self-selecting group of clients that is receptive to a message that's framed in that particular way. So I'm curious first about yeah. the language that you use and how that's worked professionally. And then yeah. I have about a thousand questions on deck about your background <laughs> and how they came to this. And then, you know, can we really operate in, uh, how can we fix this collective problem in an individualist context and all these different mm -hmm. things, but let's start there. Tell me about language yeah. and how that's worked for you professionally. So the standard business school answer, it depends right? So it really depends on the readiness of the organization. It depends on whichever leader is bringing me into the organization. Um, but you're a superhero, so you can understand this analogy. So Clark Kent and Superman, right? Like Clark Kent has to 
it's not that he's not Clark Kent. It's that he has to be palatable, right? Or else the world would explode if if Superman came in and started writing news articles, right? So there there is this um this notion that we are on the brink, but not quite ready as a whole to hear like my whole spiel, right? Like most organizations would be like, who is this? And why is she here? And she is just nuts. Why, you know, why did we bring this person to the organization there? That is kind of like, that's been the standard. And yet we are at the forefront of experiencing a, an intuitive and energetic shift in the ways that we do things. And we've seen this for years and years. I mean, the DEI movement, I mean, that yes, DEI was always important, but, but as an imperative and as a way to begin to understand how to retain employees, how to improve engagement, that, that has been a very recent conversation yet. It's a problem that's been around for centuries. (laughs) Right. And so Similar to that, we are at the forefront of really trailblazing the ways that we examine the divine feminine, our intuition, and how that shows up in the ways that we lead and the ways that we um, partner within organizations and work and co-work and all of these things. Um, So it is something where I have to be really strategic. So I don't think of it as like code switching or altering my language. It's more about how can I strategically craft this message so that it's received in a way where people are actually receiving a benefit, a benefit from the work that I do without necessarily like having to be like really in your face about it, if that makes sense. So I recently did a speaking engagement in a very corporate space. I mean, they, they're very focused on DEI right now. So that was kind of like the channel through which I entered and I, the first thing I said is I'm a shaman, I'm a practicing shaman. And I work as a business shaman often like this is, you know, I bring healing into spaces that traditionally have been reserved for outside of the workplace. Um, I, I bring those kinds of conversations forward and those kinds of, um, spaces forward. And so it is something where I have to be understanding of the readiness factor. And I do ask a lot of questions before I come into an organization to do a workshop or do a speaking engagement. Um, I ask a lot of questions to ensure that there is readiness. And, and I, I think I do that as a, a way for me to actually have an audience with that organization, but it's also a way for me to not do harm to people within the organization who like, if I just came out, you know, guns blazing and just like did all the language and I, and I used it all in that way that can actually, we don't really think about the fact that that can actually cause harm within those organizations, within, um, those historically marginalized minoritized communities who, you know, then organizations could be like, well, why don't you show up as your whole self? Like, I want to know all the things. So it's like, we have to be really strategic in the ways that we're engaging, um, within this work. And as the years, go on, I know it'll be more acceptable. It's already becoming acceptable. I'm seeing stuff on LinkedIn about divine feminine, like it's becoming more and more acceptable. And until we're at that point where we have that massive tipping point, like we did with DEI until we get to that point, we have to be really strategic that we are able to do our good work and we have to be able to craft our messages so that it's received in the ways that we intend. So we all operate in you know, and not we all, but like in, at least if you're operating in the United States and you're dealing with United States based companies, we are in a capitalist system. 
And mm-hmm. there's a lot of values imposed by the system that we grow up in, a lot that we internalize throughout our lives and that we grow up and we feel are true. And then we behave in certain ways as a result of that. And the question about language was kind of leading me towards this question, which was that there's a lot of um, language that is widely accepted. And then there's language that sometimes is seen as out of bounds or odd or different. You know, I wrote my book, The Lovable Leader, and I knew immediately that that was going to be, um, in some, in some circles, it was going to be, you know, scoffed at because that's not a word that you bring into work, right? We don't bring the word love into work. That's ridiculous. So thinking about that, that there is this sort of environment that we're working in and some of your work touches on the individual and their ability to get connected with those two ideas. And then some of it is working with organizations and their ability to, at an organizational level, how the organization conducts itself, operating within those two mindsets, and then how that transitions throughout the organization, how it affects each team and each person. There's all of these things going on and you're, you're operating. I'm curious if you were to imagine all of this working, bringing us back to a place of sanity and connectedness and healing, which again, healing is another one. That's like a loaded word in this environment where it's not about healing. It's about bottom line, right? How do you actually see this taking shape and having its greatest impact? Is it, is this a problem of not enough individuals being connected and balanced in the way that they approach things? Is is this about the environment that companies operate in? Do we even have any hope within the current superstructure that we're in to make inroads at even if we were to address every organization and every individual, could we actually find any sort of way back if we're still existing within this structure that prioritizes growth mm-hmm. and profit above people? How does your work actually fit oh. into this massive paradigm? It's such a good question. And it's such a complex answer. My brain is just firing right now. And I think the place that I'll start is what people are and and not to prioritize like the capitalistic mindset but i think that people have like this misconception that focusing on bringing a more healing aspect to their organizations that i think that they have a misconception that that's actually going to negatively impact the bottom line and it's just may i curse it's absolutely it's Go for just it. it's bullshit it's yeah. it, it is a lie that we've been sold to keep profits over people. It's, it just is. It's like, as long as we can see our workers as faceless cogs, then we will produce the most impact, like the most profit, the most, you know, revenue generate the most for our shareholders, yada, yada, yada. It is completely false because when we actually treat people as the whole feeling humans that they are within the organization, you have less turnover, you have higher engagement, you have people who are actually able and willing to move up within the company to become leaders that historically wouldn't, wouldn't feel any kind of emotional attachment to doing so. Right. And so we, the first thing that we need to reckon with is like, this actually isn't, isn't going to make our business worse. It's going to exponentially increase our ability to have the impact to, to be able to, you know, because these are like temporary homes. Our workplaces are temporary homes for individuals who, who all make this agreement to come in and work. It's a place that we can actually be more nourishing to the people who call our workplaces temporary homes. Right. And so 
it, it is imperative for us to actually be sustainable going forward because right now our, our model is completely unsustainable and we're seeing that with the great resignation. We're seeing, you know, Gen Z millennials be less and less inclined to sell their soul to an organization for a paycheck. People are like, F it. Like I'm going to go travel the world and do part-time work or find somewhere that will actually treat me a bit more like a, the human that I am. Um, so we're, we're seeing this shift now and the companies that are not willing to examine and reckon with their misconceptions about what business actually is, they're going to be left behind. And we're already seeing that. We're already seeing that. And even from just like a pure DEI lens, we're seeing the, the companies that are taking their hard stance in that toxic masculine way of thinking, you know, like prioritizing, um, or not prioritizing certain groups of people, or just saying like, this is just, you know, we are seeing the effects of that in their bottom line. So at the end of the day, it's, it's really not like, how do we, how do we navigate this within, you know, our current structure? It's like the structure is crumbling. And what are we going to do to ensure that we are surviving on the other side of that? Right. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, no, it, it, it does. It, it, because it's the sort of thing where it's like, the superstructure may be crumbling and we can try addressing it at the organizational level. We can try addressing it at the individual level. We can try mm -hmm. addressing it at the collective individual yeah. level, but ultimately whatever we do, regardless of what mm -hmm. approach we take, we're seeing already that the effects of how things currently are, aren't working. So I'm curious and if you can, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no. I, where I wanted to go next with it is I was hoping you could kind of paint the picture for us, make it really real. Cause you've, you've mm -hmm. mentioned the word intuition a couple of times mm -hmm. and we, you mentioned how things aren't working and how, um, when you do prioritize people's health and well being and things like that, that you get increased loyalty, you get lower turnover, you, you know, mm -hmm. decrease your recruiting costs. Like there's all of these things mm -hmm. and study after study have shown it. So like the people that are ignoring at this point are just willfully ignoring it and stuck in their current ways right. that they just refuse to change. But sometimes I find what really, really helps is to kind of make it real uh, by um, framing it in terms of of narratives or stories or or relatable scenarios, right? So you've done sure. work with organizations, done work with individuals. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you can kind of illustrate for us in one way or another, either through mm -hmm. a personal experience or just kind of in the general principles of things, how intuition helps to kind of take people from this state of things not being good, of this, all of the things you could attribute mm -hmm. to the frustration, the burnout, the uh, the lack of loyalty, the lack of meaning and purpose, like that kind of the ugly current status quo of awful and how following your intuition and the other work that you do can help you to kind of transform that culture into one where people want to stay, where people feel connected, where mm -hmm. people uh, go home and don't feel empty inside. Talk to me about, you know, define that intuition, what that work is that you're doing and how the journey, how that helps in the journey from what, from that one side to the other. From point A to point B. That's a good question. I mean, so first and foremost, uh, when I begin working with leaders around connecting to their intuition, a lot of them are like baby deer. <laughs> in headlights, like a lot, but, but they're called to me in, in one way or another. Right. And sometimes it takes some courage on their part to say, okay, let me just check this out. I want to be a better leader. I feel like I've hit a ceiling. I don't know what to do. 
Um, I've done a little bit of DEI work already. So I don't, I don't actually work with leaders who don't understand DEI. That's just, that's just a boundary of mine because I want you to have done some work or have some awareness around it in order for us to have the highest impact together. And so the work that I do with them is simply healing and connecting to their intuition. And those things work hand in hand. And so there's so much baggage that we don't really, a lot of time, I mean, there's some resources out there that talk about the self-aware leader and all of that, but, but for like a, in a large scale conversation, we don't really talk about the necessity that the necessity of having a leader be truly self-aware have gone to work on some of their trauma has gone to therapy. Like there, there's this like, kind of like baseline. I think there's this baseline where people in order for leaders to have their highest impact, have to have some level of self-awareness, have worked through some of their traumas, their triggers, things like that. And so the way that I support them is to help them connect with their intuition because their intuition is what is driving that path, right? Your intuition is going to be what's telling you, here's what we need to heal. Here's how we heal it. Um, it's our inner knowing it's our, it's, 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 us, it's us knowing where home is like, what does home look like within our being? What does homeostasis look like? And for the, the majority of leaders, especially like really good hearted leaders who are in this deeply capitalistic way, you know, this, this toxic masculine structure that we've created of success in the U S they know that home is there. They know that they're feeling erratic and anxious about the fact that they're living outside of their, their aligned truth of who they are at their core. All that I do is help them connect with their own intuition so that they can understand what home looks like so that they can understand how their intuition is communicating with them, whether it's felt in their bodies, whether it's messages that they're hearing or seeing, um, I, I support them in that. And every now and then, because I am a shaman, I do some energy work. I do some cord cutting. I do some soul retrievals. I, I have worked with clients who I've supported them in that way, but for the most part, it is me almost like opening their own door to themselves. It's like, Hey, you already know who you are. You know, what needs to be healed. You know, the steps that are needed for you to become the closest version to your higher whole self in this life, because that's, what's going to make you the leader that we all need. Right. Can you and differentiate, mm -hmm. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, can, please. Can you differentiate because I'm hearing you say intuition and I'm hearing you describe some of those aspects. And mm -hmm. I want to be really clear on what that word means when you're using yeah. it, because I think a lot of people think of intuition as like their gut, right? But we yeah, also see that be. people's people's gut can sometimes also lead them to hiring the same type of people over and over and creating, you so know, good. like the old boys club, right? Or mm -hmm. their gut could cause them to make a decision that they made while boxing out yeah. other people's opinions yep. and ideas when they really should have been listening to it. So can you differentiate between yeah. the the kind of I'm going with my gut, I'm the smart, you know, uh, yeah. aggressive and, and brilliant leader versus the intuition that you're talking about? Because I- yeah just get the sense that we're, they're different things. So Even that's, there's an overlap, that's great. but they're that, different. It's so good because I work with leaders a lot about like, how do I know that this is not just my bias or, or like my shitty self-talk or whatever, the difference between hearing and sensing from your intuition versus like bias or just the 
the st the tapes, like the old tapes, the trauma tapes, right? Because that's kind of what I'm hearing. That's the only reason we go with our gut to hire somebody that's exactly like us. That is a trauma tape. That's saying like, I can only feel safe around people that are like me, right? So there's, there's the intuition, which is a pure, like a pure voice, a pure knowing, a pure like sensation. Um, and it's always going to the vibration of each. And this is where like working with leaders one-on-one -on -one really is helpful because I can help them understand, okay, what is this vibration? Like, does it feel like love? Does it feel like me, like on a summer day basking in a meadow? Like, does it feel that way? Or does it feel like fear? Does it feel like some lower vibrational sensation that is like, I am here to survive. I can only survive if I do A, B, and C. It's this fear-based moving forward, right? Versus this, this feeling of, I am connected to the all. I am connected to all. I am deeply attuned to the energy that is around me. I, I flow with energy. Like that is what it feels like when you're connected to intuition versus a deeply fear-based connection to ego or fear. I mean, it's, 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 you can feel it, but it requires us getting quiet and being still and not going with our like our first instinct. Cause a lot of times our first instinct is there to keep us safe. It's kept us safe forever for our entire lives, maybe past lives, if that's what you believe in. But this, this kind of like knee jerk reaction is something that I always encourage people to breathe through. Cause a lot of times intuitions on the other side of that. How much do you feel like, um, as you were saying that I was thinking of the work that I do in brand and the work mm -hmm. that I do in brand, I call heroic branding because what I'm ultimately mm -hmm. trying to get to when I do brand work with people is I start with what's the thing you would do, even if it cost you money or it didn't make you money? Like, what's the thing you actually really care about? Like, let's take money and put it off to the side. Okay. What's the thing that you care so much about? And, and as you were talking about finding that intuition, finding about what really feels pure, what occurred to me is how difficult that might be if you actually don't know what you feel like you're here to do. And the mm. work that I do in in the branding, again, is about trying to help people get clear about that, trying to understand what are you really here to do? Like what matters to you so much? Because that's a really good litmus test when you hear that voice. Like, is that voice I just heard in conflict with the person I want to be, right? So like I say all the time, and it rolls off my tongue at this point, but I'm here to make the world a kinder, safer, more equitable place. That's what I'm after. So if I hear a decision in my head, if I hear a voice in my head mm -hmm. and I see that that conflicts with making kinder, safer, more equitable, and I know that the path to get there is by creating more superheroes, that's me. That's what I'm out to do, right? And if I filter through a feeling, a thought, an idea, a gut you know, uh, reaction or set of words, and it mm -hmm. smashes head on into that, I know that that's not a place where it's coming from my true resonant, like what I'm about. It's not coming from a place of love and purpose. It's coming from a place of fear or anxiety or scarcity or something else. So exactly. I'm curious, is are you able to work with someone who does not know what they're here for and still get to that? Yeah. Voice? I, I, the majority of people that I work with are deeply confused about why they're here. And what they're here to do, like what their, what their life purpose, what their soul purpose is. And what I have found in working with hundreds of, of people in this capacity is that once we connect with who we are, like who we truly are, 
uh, from the purest, purest place. And again, that comes from intuition and really sitting with our intuition. And eventually we embody that wisdom, right? We, we, we get the intuition, we get the wisdom, and then eventually we can remember who we are and begin to embody that. What I found is from that place, the stones start to light up for people about why they are here and what they are here to do. And for whatever reason, I do work primarily with people, even, even if they find me outside of like my leadership expertise, like if they're just like on my Instagram and they find me, most people that I work with do have some purpose. They do have some, like what you were saying, like they have this heroic brand, this, they want to help. They want to give back. They want to be of service. I truly believe that it is an innate part of our humanness to, to want to be connected in that way, whether it's connected to our purpose, whether that's connecting to one another, connecting to the earth, like we want to be connected to something. And in order for us to be connected, we have to have something that we're working toward. Right. Um, and so I, I, I absolutely, most of the people that I come, um, that I come in, it's similar to how I started this with like, I blew up my life and I kind of help other people do the same. It's like people recognizing that they are, or were on a path that was beginning to hold the energy of that, like scarcity, right? Like that, what we are describing, like the two binaries it's, it's, there's a spectrum, right. But they're, they were kind of walking this path of like, I even had a friend tell me very recently, like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And she was just like kind of plugging away at her corporate job, plugging away in her marriage and her life. And, and those people are what, for whatever reason, the ones that find me because they, they need a little bit of support to come back home to themselves. And then eventually like their big purpose is revealed through that process, but it always starts with knowing who we are. I think that's the phrase come back home, uh, is very resonant for me because when I look at the whole superhero journey. Um, mm-hmm. it comes back to me at like two, two to four years old being obsessed with Superman. And it goes back to mm-hmm. early, early, like memories of who I wanted to be aspirationally, but also some traumatic sides of things that like, I, I developed ideas of what I didn't want to see in the world based on some, uh, some things that I, you know, I didn't like experiencing at that time. Same. So, so I am, uh, where I want to kind of take this as we, we kind of wrap up this portion of the show is um, for the leaders out there that are listening to this, the people that so far what we've been talking about has been resonating. Are there any things that you would recommend as sort of very practical next steps, things that you would encourage people Mm -hmm. to start thinking about, start doing, start practicing, start questioning, um, start asking that you think Mm -hmm. might be helpful for people who want to start to try and slowly make their way back home? So good. And your last thought was so beautiful and actually is a great lead in for that because an exercise that I do in workshops quite often, because in workshops, I can't really do a lot of one-on-one work, but I can ask questions. And this one, um, is similar to what you just touched on is what has always been true for you. Right. So when we begin to evaluate, like, who are we on a soul level? Who are we in our deepest being and our deepest knowing, the question who, what has always been true for you, especially if you're evaluating your purpose, if you're, if you're reckoning with your sense of purpose, what has always been true for you? For me, I put on plays for my little siblings um, and my older sibling, like I would put on plays and I, I entertained and I 
and I created these like worlds of, you know, I was, I was a storyteller and, and the other thing that's been true for me is I've always been a writer. I wrote my first like novella when I was in third grade and I gave it to my librarian and I asked her to put it out and she did. So it's like, these things are like, when we, when we really root back into who we, who we were before the world got to us and we begin to connect with that little person, they will be the one, our inner child is going to be the one to, to help us remember who we are and what it looks like to come back home to ourselves. Cause at one point we were home in our own skin. Right. And so that, that's a question that I would pose to your listeners. And a lot of people I can even sense in this moment are being like, well, that's easy for you to say. It's easy for you to connect with because you're a shaman and all of this. And that means that you need stillness. It means that you are ready to, to create some space in your own life to begin to prioritize coming home to yourself. Um, when I was in a really toxic job, um, super like long hours, stressed out people all around me. I was in the office every day. This is back when it wasn't cool to work from home. Well, it was always cool, but, uh, but I, I had literally scheduled 15 minutes in the middle of my morning and 15 minutes in the middle of my afternoon to find an empty conference room, lock the door and lay on the floor. Like, I'm not even kidding. I know people look at me like I'm crazy, but it was like my time to just like come, just come back to center and just connect with what am I feeling? What am I, what, what does it look like for me to just witness myself for 15 minutes? And so that like, that is your first step. Whomever is listening and is ready to reconnect with themselves and their intuition what does it look like for you to create space for yourself? Maybe it's a walk in the middle of your morning or afternoon or both. Maybe because some people are like, well, I just don't have time for myself. <laughs> like it's, it's a story you're telling yourself and, and you know, cause you're a, you know, newly second kid dad, and you know, that time and space and energy are limited. And there is always opportunity for us to quiet ourselves, to find space for ourselves. And it might feel very, very hard. And yet if it truly matters to you, and I know it does, then what can that look like for you to carve that out five minutes a day? Right. So that that's what I, where I would start. And it will take many five minute days in a row for you to begin to discern the difference between the fear voice and the intuition voice. Like you'll get quiet for the first several days or weeks. And all you hear is like shitty self-talk that that's a part of you. That's also wounded, right? So what can it look like for you to witness that self-talk until it slowly begins to feel seen and heard, and then it can go away. Right. So that would be my, my next steps for folks. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent tips and takeaways. Um, I love that question. What has always been true for you? That is such a powerful question. Uh, and it's one that I'm going to hold on to and uh, and keep for myself to use at times. Thanks, um, what would you say, looking back on all we've been able to discuss here, and um, as as I expected, talking to you has been so easy for this conversation that like I'm amazed at how much time has actually elapsed so far. Um, I could talk with you for for hours. You're such an interesting and we person. have <laughs> we we have. Um, what would you kind of offer as a clear takeaway for someone listening right now? If you wanted them to walk away with a lesson, a message, an idea, what would you say that that would be for someone that they could, when they think back to this episode, 
this is the thing they should take away from it. The, the message that's coming through my intuition for your listeners is you're more powerful than you're remembering. Even, even those of you that have been on a path, even those of you that have worked through your trauma in this moment, you're more powerful than you're remembering. And you are worthy of a life where you fully remember how powerful you are and living that life. So I don't know how tangible that is, but that's the message that came through. <laughs> I love it personally. Cause you know, me and the yeah, superpowers and like <laughs> you like knocked it out of the park. Love it so much. All right. So I want to ask you about the shareables, which are uh, just some things that you would yeah. recommend. Uh, they're things that, you know, very similar to like what we do on social media. We share stuff that we think is interesting, share things we recommend. Mm -hmm. And I like to just go through four different things that uh, I asked my guests to recommend to our listeners. So yeah. uh, here we go. Uh, first one is what's something that you have read that you think people should read? Something you would recommend that people read? It could be an article, it could be a book, it could be anything that you could read. I love the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And I feel like it's such like a safe, almost like gateway <laughs> to evaluating intuition because she talks about the magic of ideas and how ideas like our sentient, like energies that we are able to like help express itself in this life. And so what I love about her book is it's really, it's pretty audacious, especially in the time that she wrote it and published it because it's, it was kind of before intuition was like really a really mainstream conversation. Um, but she talks about it in a way that is also, um, still kind of like acknowledging, you know, the, the state of our world. So I love big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And I think that anyone who is a creator, anyone that's a writer, any, any creative, and that's everybody because everybody has creativity. So I would recommend that book for everybody, especially if you're curious about intuition. Awesome. I am yeah. uh, looking forward to adding it to my list. Good. Uh, what's something you've listened to that you'd recommend? It could be music. It could be information. It could be a podcast. It could be a book. It could be an album. It could be a song. It's up to you. What would oh, you recommend that people could listen to? Oh, it's such a... So I had an idea for a podcast. I was actually a guest on a podcast and I was like, I, I think I messaged you. And I was like, is this allowed? I'm just going to say it because I do... So it, the podcast is called the conscious cut podcast and, um, they had me on as a guest and we talked a lot about visionary leadership. And I feel like your listeners might really connect with, we talked a lot about DEI and, and so it's like from a little bit of a different lens, it's not so intuition focused. I mean, we talked a little bit, but, but it is another, if you're curious to hear more about this type of work, we, we have a really nourishing conversation about that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Put in the show notes for them. I know uh, that feels a little self. <laughs> no, no, it's totally cool. I'm going to, I'm going to give, cause I actually, no, it's fine that you self promote. Cause that's something I would totally listen to. So, you hey. know, uh, this show is part for my listeners, part for me. Um, and hey. that one, I'm, uh, even, even if other people find it self-serving, I like it. I'm going <laughs> to listen to it. I appreciate it. Visionary leadership. Check, check. Thank um, you. what's something that you've watched that you would recommend people watch? It could be a show. It could be a Ted talk, it could be a TV, yeah. it could be a movie. doesn't matter. Something you can watch. So my intuition speaks to me through pop culture and entertainment all the time, all the time. And the most like recent show that I thought like, holy shit, like there's so much here was Andor. And oh my I know, God, we I could have an you. entire episode just <laughs> talking should. about I will totally how come, good. I no, will come back I'm and talk serious, about Andor. 
can we please do like a multi-person like round table yes. discussion on Andor and Absolutely. how amazing we'll just read Nemec's manifesto at the start of the show wow. and yeah oh, oh god gosh. so good so, I just wrote a, I just wrote a blog post I have to send you about this at yes. also listeners jeffgibbard.com slash blog go find it I can't remember the name of it but it I I included a lot from yeah. Andor so and about like the the layers of bureaucracy and fascism and the oh god, it's so and, good. It's such a good recommendation. And go listen new, to Andor. Go go watch Andor. Go watch and Andor. Also, the nuance of like the storytelling was so brilliant. Unreal. Unreal. Because even like the villains had their backstory, right? Yep. It's like villains are 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 made, not born, right? Yep. And so I what I loved about like everything you said and 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 the spirit of revolution and what's required what and what turns someone into a rebel. Oh my god, I, I have yeah. so many goosebumps just talking about Andor. So this is hundred like, percent. We but please can we do that as a, I as would an love episode. to. I, I would, would love to. Yeah. But but I do love how like e even in our world, you can transpose that in our world, that storytelling, that that crafting that they did around like really giving the villains backstory because we could transpose that into our world right now. And, you know, I'm not going to name names, but the big billionaires who everyone sees as evil and all that, they have their own story and they have their own reasons and motivation. And it's not to say that evil doesn't exist in this world, but it is to say that there's always a story Right. And, and that's what I loved. And I love a good hero, but to really understand a villain, I feel like they did that so well. They yeah. did that so well. The, so the, and I think the humanizing of them as villains really showed the, um, I forget who wrote this phrase, but the banality of evil, just like mm -hmm. the, the, the total normalness of being that level of evil. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Anyway, go watch Andor. That is, <laughs> so that might be the best recommendation anyone's ever given <laughs> to that question. Yeah. Just because I endorse it so thoroughly. I think it's, it's one of the so best, good. best series of television I've ever seen in my entire life. Same. Um, Okay, fine. Final one. Uh, what is something that you've learned that you want to share? And what I like here generally yeah. is this is like sort of like the Google Wik Wikipedia question. It's sort of like the, Hey, yeah. did you know that ants can carry a hundred times? The it's, it's kind of meant to be that more so than sort of like an interesting, uh, life lesson, but what's something, it could be anything. If you want to give a life lesson, mm -hmm. you can. what's something you've learned that you want to share with people you think they might not have known about? I, I include this, this series of statistics, um, in my talks around like being your whole self at work. And when I go into organizations and it surprises people. So I was like, I'll, I'll do this. It's, it's a survey that was performed by job sage. And I think the link will be in your show notes. Uh, but the study and the article basically said that 55% of employees say that being inauthentic at work affects their mental health. 55%, 25% spend tremendous energy hiding their whole self at work and nearly 50% spend some energy hiding their whole self at work. Not surprising so, at all. That is and not surprising wild. at all. And when we start to think about what we were talking about earlier in the podcast episode is like, if we are able to unlock like people and, and give them an opportunity to be at home in their own skin at work, like how much more, how much more potential do we have as like whole creative beings in connection with one another within the workplace when we are freed up from being afraid of being our whole selves. 100%. I think about this all the time because, um, I mean, you could, we could just name every number of different groups basically that, that are, uh, 
not of the dominant in group, mm-hmm. but basically like if you're like me, ADHD and on the autism spectrum, you know, you have felt not entirely yourself, right. women, people of color, like the list goes on and on of people, even who white feel, men, white cis men yeah, who are like, they cannot be fully expressed for who they feel like they have to, because they have to perform a certain exactly. way of being a way of being masculine enough throughout yep. my entire life. I've, I've really struggled with like the, what is the performance of being like man enough and like, I'm a white dude, right? So mm-hmm. we all go through it. And I'm actually, the only thing that's surprising about it is that it's as low as it is. Like mm-hmm. who is totally comfortable? Being- and who who didn't feel comfortable filling that survey out to 100%, their yeah. truth, yeah. right? Or like even have awareness of it. Yeah. No, that's such an interesting stat. Well, um, I want to give you a chance right now to let people know where they can go and find you, where you can be unabashedly self-promotional, let people know where they can <laughs> hire you and they can- read your stuff and follow you on the socials. Like where can people find you leading the way the the floor is yours? Yeah. Thank you. So my website is probably the best way to reach out. If you want to work with me, I have all the information about what that would look like. It's shamanleilani.com. So S H A M A N L E I L A N I.com. I'm also on Instagram. My Instagram is really for individuals, not, not so much focused on like leaders, but it, it is a place where people find uh, belonging. So, and you can find me on Instagram at Shaman Leilani and on LinkedIn, uh, just search for my name, Leilani Manulu. And that is very much more geared toward leaders and organizations and a little bit of that lens. But yeah, that those are probably the best places to find me. I'm also on TikTok, but I'm not doing dances or anything. It's basically just what's on we'll, my Instagram. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. We'll do some dances together. It'll be fun. We'll do dances and talk about Andor. It'll be great. Oh my um, gosh. We're so dorky. <laughs> I'm so into it. Well, thank you for coming on the show. You're freaking amazing. Um, the way I like to close out the show is with gratitude. So closing out the episode with gratitude, I want you to think of a lovable leader from your life. This is someone who's exhibited care, somebody who trusted and who in the midst of setting big goals for you made you feel safe along the way. So I want you to try and think of who that person is and get that person right there in your mind. That could be someone who is still with us, someone who's passed on, doesn't matter. Point is, is that you feel this person with you at this moment. And I'm going to mute myself and fade into the background. And if you're comfortable with it, I want you to take this time to speak directly to them, pretend I'm not here and thank them for their leadership or whatever else you want to say to them. Tell them what they did, how they made an impact on you. Anything you'd like to say, floor is yours. Do I say their name? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Speak directly to them. Let them know who they okay, are. Hey, I will. Thank you. So Reagan Berry was my manager for several years when I was in a corporate role in a in an organization that is still reckoning with their um, getting into balance with their divine feminine. I'll say it that way. And Reagan, you have a really beautiful and brilliant way of seeing people as their whole selves of leading in a very tough role with such empathy and curiosity and groundedness and relatability. And I would not be the leader I am without having you as a model. And I appreciate you. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message or hit me up on social media. I'm easy to find, but there's links in the show notes just to make it easy. Seriously, I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a couple things you could do, starting with subscribing to the show. And after that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. 
or just buy me a latte or an old-fashioned by hitting up that tip jar. If you're looking for a good book to read, may I suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. It's built exclusively for brand new managers, and it's a handbook that will serve you well in your journey of leadership. Just search for Lovable Leader wherever books are sold online. And finally, if you're interested in working with me or checking out any of my other projects, go to jgibbard.com. That link, as well as every other link mentioned, will be found in the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and seriously, share this episode with someone. I'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.